Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. All right, so welcome and hello to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. And I'm your show host, Chrissy Cordingly. And you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and 100 other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today I'm thrilled to be interviewing Angelique Meadow. She remodels homes and lives through her two companies, Building Ideas and Will You?, As the owner and designer of Building Ideas, Angelique coaches couples to make wise and joyful choices to remodel their high-end residential dream homes. And as a host for HGTV, that's always on in our host, Angelique shared tips for contractors and designers, plus her kitchen design was an HGTV magazine, and she was featured as an expert on DIY and the Travel Channel's Extreme Castles. As a founder and mentor of her second company, Will You, Angelique mentors individuals and couples to make wise and joyful choices to remodel their minds and lives through introspection, action, and group travel adventures. Her clients include the former UT football coach, Johnny Majors, 20-year Air Force veteran Joy Bishop, and executive chef for Marriott Hotels, Bruce Bogarts. And Angelique speaks for corporations, private groups, and her YouTube channel with nearly a half a million views. She writes for newspapers and magazines and has authored inspirational books, journals, card decks and affirmations distributed weekly at no charge Mm -hmm. via her website, willyougrow.com. And the topics of her talks, articles, books, and affirmations include empowerment, integrity, passion, and meaning in life, the power of words, unconditional love, and overcoming addiction. You know, and I was, when I was reading this and getting ready for the show, I'm like, I was like, should I shorten it? I'm like, no, I really think everybody needs to know all the wonderful things that you're doing. So (laughs) thank (laughs) you. I wanted to read it all. So thank you for being on the show. We're so happy to have you. It's a pleasure and doing anything with you and the infamous and famous grand dam Clarissa. I mean, how could I say no? (laughs) Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, Clarissa's amazing. (laughs) So uh, let's go right into sort of some of your expertise. So I know that you're very passionate about addiction and compulsive behaviors. So what is the thing, the most important thing for us to keep in mind if we have unhealthy habits, compulsive behaviors or addictions? And maybe I would even extend that to if we're, if we love someone that has compulsive behaviors and addictions. I send a heart hug to you and all of us through this process because the first step is to allow ourselves to accept it. Yeah. You know, if we can just look at it without shaming ourselves, be compassionate to ourselves for the fact that that compulsion or addiction, whatever it is, was actually the best choice we could make given what we knew at the time we started it. So there's no shame in where we came from. It's just, what are we making the choices to do now? And how can we embody something that's really where we want to go instead of just repeating the same choices over and over again? And we, we kind of know where that's going to go, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just heard this line yesterday and I, sorry to whoever thought it up originally, because I don't know who did, but um, it was, you cannot heal a body that you do not love. And I think, yes, 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. And um, Andy Hahn, psychiatrist, said healing yes. is mastering what couldn't be handled. Yes. That's one of my. So it things. couldn't be handled. We didn't have the tools. We were probably really small when these things started. And then we, we didn't know how to heal that along the way. There's no shame in that, but just allow ourselves to admit it and, and take it into our heart and just hold it. And we'll, we can talk more about how to do that, but there are a lot of steps in this process. It's not an overnight fix, but just being willing to do the inside job of looking at it and accepting it with love is the first step and we can do all that and for free. Mm, absolutely. So are you able to share? So I'm just going to ask off the cuff. Are you able to share Anything. what started your passion for helping people with compulsive and addictive behaviors? <laughs> you know, I think for any of us who work in healthcare fields, we either have the issue ourselves and, or are surrounded by people that we love who have these issues that may or may not be more serious than our own. And more by more serious, I only mean if theirs could cause their death first mm -hmm. or if theirs is causing us harm. So for example, in my family, uh, my mother was a depressed person and she also had some physical ailments which left her bedridden. So trying to care for her in, and she couldn't manage her emotions. So I needed to. And then my father was a workaholic to try to escape the situation and find gratification through his work. And he was completely emotionally unavailable. So between that and then caring for my younger brother and running the household growing up, I needed to find a way for safety for myself and for a sense of any kind of pleasure or joy or feeling of, oh, well, somebody's looking out for me. Um, so in looking around me, I noticed, okay, these are the things that are actually going on with the people around me. And so I wanted to help them. But I also learned through that, even as a child, that I needed to help myself. So I started to learn how way back when I was young. So that's a short answer. And I'm happy to go into that as, as you see fit. I, I find that amazing to be young and to sort of see the wisdom behind that and like how to come, how did you, at a young age, how did you figure that out on your own? Well, I figured it out on my own in a human perspective, but what I didn't realize was that I was intuitive. And so I knew, and I could see from a soul level, what was happening inside the people around me and what addictions they had and why they had them. And I thought everyone saw that. I thought everybody knew that, but they were just somehow blind uh, from like denial. Yes. And so I kept trying different methods that, wait, you know, maybe this will wake them up. Maybe this will wake them up. Maybe this will wake them up. Um, so I, I, I just, I wasn't alone from the perspective of I knew the information. I just yeah. didn't know how to apply it in a way that it would work mm -hmm. around me. So then I just turned it back on myself because I knew that since nothing would work outside of me, the only thing I could fix was this one. <laughs> yes. 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 And I think. So you mentioned earlier about when we were small and I sort of picture that twofold. So we, when we're little, like actually little people, but then when we get older, if we have shame, that tends to keep us small on the inside. Right. And there's such stigma sometimes around addictions and those kinds of things that it could be hard to feel love for yourself because you're also getting this pressure of, well, you should have taken better care of yourself. You should have known better that there was some sort of way to avoid and that there 
they're to be blamed for their condition, which I think is really unfortunate, right? Well, it's also common, isn't it? It's common. We might have seen that in the people around us who also blamed themselves or blamed us or both. Yeah. Yes. But the good news is that as an adult, we can choose to get curious. We are empowered with the ability to choose to become curious about why do I feel shame? Why do I feel blame? And we might start to hear the voice in our head that's telling us things that are not complimentary, that are judgmental. Mm -hmm. And then we go through the process of forgiveness for judging ourselves for not being better, not being different, not being more whatever you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) But without judging ourselves, there's no need to forgive ourselves. Mm-mm. because if we don't judge ourselves, then there's nothing to forgive. I mean, if you look around to any, anyone that you might just think of someone that you feel like, Oh, you know, if they would only X, Y, Z <laughs> life would be better. That's a judgment. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between an observation and a judgment. Can you f- try to feel that in your body? What's the difference? Uh, like when you observe a flower, what sensations do you feel in your body when you observe the flower? Oh, just breath, right? Like freshness, like just oxygen, like I can breathe. Would it would it be uh, any criticism on your part if maybe one of the petals had a little bend <laughs> in it? No, no. And often when I see little imperfections, I'm like, oh, you poor thing, like... <laughs> You've been through something. I feel like it tells a story. Yes. Well, if we could only be that compassionate to <laughs> ourselves that we are all flowers. Yeah. And as you can see on the flowers on my books, I believe in observing nature and seeing ourselves as a part of nature, as a part of our healing process. So learning to observe ourselves without judgment, that's compassion. That's love. That's living a life of unconditional self-love which is not selfish. And that allows us to heal and hold those things that we have used as addictions that are now holding us back. Yes, I love that. So once we start to sort of acknowledge or see or observe that we're, we're sort of walking that line of unhealthy choices, what can we do to open up to healthier choices? Well, the great news is willingness is the the key to that. And then, um, you know, noticing where am I not willing? Mm -hmm. So an example of that would be, well, when I first, when I was younger and I I first started um, looking into my own addictive behaviors, do we have time for a little little story? Of course we do. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So. In between taking care of my my parents and my my brother, at the end of the day, I would go down to my room in my secret stash of donuts, mm. which was hidden there. And my my addiction to the donuts was a specific kind. I think everybody who has an addiction usually has a favorite, you know, whether it's <laughs> their favorite alcohol or their favorite food, their favorite whatever. My favorite was Entenmann's Crullers in the white 
paper box with the cellophane wrapper on the top and you could see them through there and they would call me from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I'd put that, I got to go shopping. So because I was in charge of the shopping, then <laughs> I, I got to put the, put the boxes of donuts into the cart. Well, I went down in the middle of the night after finishing all the chores and taking care of everybody and they were all in bed and getting ready to sleep. And that was what I'd call like me time. And I would get into the box of my donuts in the dark trying to not let that cellophane wrap, wrap make any noise to wake anybody up. And I would start eating on my donuts. And the next thing I knew, it was like an unconscious, thing. the next thing I knew, I just kept eating and eating and eating until the entire box of donuts was gone. And I'm like reaching into the corner of the bottom of the white box to try to get those last little crumbs and get them into my mouth. And at that point, I had the choice to ask myself, Am I going to go try to sneak out the window to buy more donuts? Because part of me really wanted more donuts and go down to the gas station and try to get more donuts. Or am I going to not do that? So at that moment, that's the key to understanding willingness. After we're in the addiction and we're in that moment, that crux point where we get to make a choice, how much of us is really willing to change and how much of us isn't and recognize part of me was willing to go down and get the donuts and part of me was curious about what else there was in this world or why because i was so sick to my stomach i was so sick to my stomach and i still wanted donuts i knew it wasn't hunger so i asked myself if i'm not hungry what do i really want if i don't want donuts what do I really want? Because it must not be about the donuts if I still want donuts and I'm going to make myself even sicker or possibly throw up. And it was at that moment that I realized the most important thing that sprung board all of this off from there, and that was that I really wanted sweet love, mm -hmm. unconditional, nurturing, care, attention, Someone who could pay attention to my needs, my emotions, my feelings, my desires, my dreams, my goals. That was an empowering and a scary moment because I didn't know how to do that as a child. I couldn't get that from my mother. I couldn't get that from my father. So that was the moment that I started to cry. And yes, there are moments where we have to tear down the walls. That was a wall for me using the donuts as an excuse like we tear down the walls in our house to remodel. We remodel ourselves this way, allow that to come down, allow that to cry, allow ourselves to realize what we really want, which is love, and then learn how to love ourselves. And even as a child, I got to learn the simple, easy ways to love myself. As a child, it meant I could go for a walk. I could spend some more time petting my cat. Mm -hmm. I could call my friend, even if it was at night because she had a phone in her bedroom yeah. and just have a little chat or get a hug, take a bath. I learned those little simple things. Now, everybody's different and it may not, what, what works for me may not work for you, but everybody's got things that can help them feel hugged loved and cared for so we don't look to donuts sex drugs rock and roll alcohol or other people to be codependent to so that we can get the love that we need mm -hmm. nourishment um so what can we do to give our willpower a boost 
the play and the love element that I just mentioned by offering ourselves self-love, self-care, that automatically boosts our willpower muscle because we're rewarding ourselves. We all know that punishment can work in some way, but reward works even better. So the more often we can proactively, for example, take a five minute break every two hours for working on the computer, go outside for a walk for 20 minutes during our lunch break, take a swim or work in just a little bit of fun exercise or a dance class into our life. Play and self-love are the opposite end of the spectrum from punishment, but they, they both can work. So making a balance of the two is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved what you said earlier about how we remodel our insides. And then of course you actually physically remodel homes and spaces. Mm-hmm. Has it always been a connection for you that the two are very similar, like that you're sort of doing that work or was it exteriors first? And then you're like, Oh, I need to actually, this is a really good thing to apply inside as well. How did that come about? <laughs> That's a sweet question. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So as you could tell from my story, I I tried to remodel my parents from in their life that didn't work. But I knew that they also not my dad, my my mother complained, didn't like the way that my house was 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 made. So I because I have the intuitive vision to see what structures can look like before they're built. I can envision an entire house remodeled to its ultimate potential according to the people living in it Mm. before that's done. I can see it in my mind. Same thing for a soul structure. What's the ultimate way that this one can be built to facilitate perfect soul growth? Mm. So I tried to work it on my parents. It didn't work. So because of that, I started remodeling the house or pitching the ideas to my mother and father because they were very physically based and what they could see meant something to them. It took many, many years, but eventually I got to remodel their home when I started to do that in my own business. I did small things as a child. Like, you know, I could move things from one place mm-hmm. to another. I could rearrange furniture. But I actually, at some point later, got to just demo some of the inside and, and redo their whole home. And they've absolutely loved it ever since. That's their favorite thing that I think I've ever done as a child <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for them. So I, I, I'd be very curious to ask though. So even though you couldn't change their internal environment, when you actually made improvements to the external environment, was there internal effects too that came with it? Like, did it just happen to yes. hit both places? Yes. So when we were talking about how love and um, fun, when we add that to our life, it makes us feel more centered and it gives us willpower. So um, the the punishment and the rewards go together. It's, you know, we can do more, pun- more rewards than punishment. It still works. Same thing. It's the exact same thing. So the more that we can play, have fun, um, et cetera, it, we are remodeling our inside. So when my parents' home reflected the way they wanted to feel, then everything they saw around them, they started to feel was them. So the same way as if you're driving a beat up jalopy, jal- whatever they call it, right? Jal- <laughs> a beat up car. <laughs> and you take it down to the corner store and you feel like crumb because you feel like this is a 
the stupid car and I hate it and all these other things you think to yourself, you think it's a reflection on you, right? Yeah. Same as your house. Once you get a better car and you see that, oh, this thing is in good working order, it's attractive, you feel better about yourself. So if you can remodel your home, you will also do the same for yourself. Now, that's not going to fix all your problems. You still need to do some inner work or you're going to have the same arguments in your home <laughs> that you had before. I can help with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like a full 360 degree service. I love it. Uh, so you have a five minute tip to drop addictions. Would you like to share that with us today? Yes. And as a matter of fact, I already have. That is oh. the secret <laughs> tip to take five minutes like I did when I was downstairs in my bedroom with the donuts. Instead of going to get the next box of donuts, the next beer, the next fling, whatever you're going to do. Next time you got that urge to do that thing, stop for five minutes. Yeah. Just sit yourself down and outside even better because mother nature and her influences can help this mm -hmm. sit down for five minutes and ask yourself what do i really want and if the answer is donuts you haven't gone deep enough you need to go deeper and say no no what do i really want more than donuts because you're the only one who knows the answer to that question mm -hmm. Then go for that. Find little small ways you can do it. I just keep picturing myself going, I want peace on earth and donuts. How can we just have both? That's <laughs> 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 sorry, just a little giggle. I like to choke Balance. Right. Um, you know, well, you can't do it all at once. It's steps. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't, and you don't want to either. And that's the whole point. Don't drag yourself kicking and streaming screaming find a way to do it that makes it joyful yeah. that makes it okay i i'm ready for this step i might not be ready for i don't know being on you know center stage with a hundred donuts but maybe i can just peel it back and and cut down to you know a box a week instead of a box a night you know <laughs> what i mean you gotta you gotta take the steps and that then you know that's the sort of not going cold turkey way, but there there are benefits to cold turkey as well. You know, it, it just depends on where you are with things and how convicted you are that this is the right choice for you. Because once you know, once you know it's got to go, when you start negotiating with eating more of the donuts or whatever you do, you're really negotiating with, you could call it the devil or whatever. You, it's, you're negotiating with the, the evil that's causing you destruction and death in your own life mm -hmm. yep absolutely I know for me so I've had similar issues in the past as well and a lot of it I was able to change everybody has a different strategy or thing that will work for them and just because you try cold turkey and it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not meant to be right there's so many different ways and you can be creative too which is really cool so mine was always crowded out with something really great and good for me so the more I wanted something bad, I would go do something that made me feel good in a different way that was healthy for me. And then after a while, you forget about doing the bad thing, right? Because you're like, well, this felt good. I should always choose this because not only was it good for me, but it felt good too, right? So mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So yeah, thank you. Uh, so how did you make the connection to the outdoor environment to personal health? Well, I think that ties in really well with what you just said. 
because you said that by doing things that made you feel really good yeah. that weren't that thing, it helped to be like a proactive care scenario for you. And that's what I'm going to suggest with the nature tips mm. is uh, that's how I learned it for myself. If I could proactively take time to spend time in nature before I was in the crunch of, oh my gosh, I have to have this box of donuts. Mm -hmm. Do it before. Because by the time you got yourself peaked to that level of emotion, you're, you're in trouble. That's a real difficult point to get out of emotionally. So because I was also an alcohol or a workaholic, not an a workaholic, I worked too much and I just wouldn't give myself time off. So nature and taking time to just go outside, even for five minutes while the contractors were working and I would sit under a tree to make my phone calls. Mm. That was my, one of my first steps. It's just get outside for a few minutes, make yourself do it even. And what happens is once you start doing it, it's like that part of you that's been neglected starts to realize, oh, somebody's paying attention to me. Somebody's going to care about how I feel. And there's a confidence within that starts to build up, which is a part of willpower. It's learning self-trust that I can trust myself to not do things that are going to kill me and instead do things that are going to help me live a vital, enjoyable life. It's beautiful. Is there, there, how can people find you? Willyougrow.com is the best place to find me for any kind of personal growth, mentoring. We do um, coaching. We also have classes at Will University, and that's mm -hmm. also online. And we also have nature adventure tours where we take you out in nature and do great connective meditative experiences. Our next one's coming up in June, and that'll be out at Cades Cove in the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee. And uh, then we'll have another one in South Carolina in May. Both of those are my some of my very most favorite nature spots. And being an intuitive, I have uh, received some of my most beautiful, bountiful blessings for guidance when I'm in nature. And I can teach you what I've done and also help you to connect to, to nature in that same way so that you can receive the peace and guidance from and through nature anytime you want. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nature is very healing. It's very, very, we need it. We're in symbiosis with the world, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so are there any last things you would like to share with the audience? Any parting words of wisdoms or things you would oh. really like to make sure they leave after listening to this episode with that just sort of yes. off in a great way? Yes, I would definitely encourage that if you feel like, you know, this is the thing you need to do, but you're not sure what to do next, just go check out the website. If you're interested in building um, or remodeling, that's angeliquemeadow.com. And you can see how my name is spelled on the bottom of the screen, angeliquemeadow.com or willyougrow.com. These items behind me, my books, my card decks, these are journals. Those are other inexpensive easy ways that you can make a daily practice. Mm -hmm. Why is a daily practice important? A daily practice is important because it helps you build trust with yourself that even for five minutes every day, you're going to take time to take care of you. These affirmations that are in these books up here, there are two different styles. One has a journal, one is a coffee table book, and the affirmations that are in these books are also in this deck of cards right here. Mm -hmm. There are 72 cards. If you do one a week and then you journal about your thoughts and feelings, that'll last you about a year and a half. 
So it'll be a nice long time for you to make a commitment to caring for you. You can do this. You are not alone. There are people to support you. And Chrissy and Clarissa are two wonderful people that are here to support you with their 360 podcast. And we all encourage you to really allow yourself to balloon. We love you. Thank you. And we love you. Thank you for sharing your heart, your love, and the beautiful things that you do to bring light into the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.